When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, Weekend Editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kradak, Will Wilson is back. He just spent the night here. Great to be with you. A lot to get into. Husker baseball doing their thing. Oklahoma still PO'd. And is it kickoff time yet? Yeah, numbers to dial us up, 466-3776-800-825. 5865. Give us a find on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Mark Skurs, Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, and uh, Will Wilson at uh, Willie J Radio. On Twitter's where you find him. You can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So, Cranach, what's up? Good to spend time with you. Thank you for going Marlboro Man last weekend. We had a uh, baseball tournament out in Grand Island. Wonderful, the you know, uh, Tom Rathman country. And, uh, well, let's just say we were the recipient of a, of a Rathman block uh, time and time again. It's nice to not have baseball this weekend. And I never thought I'd say that because, well, I need some motivation for Junior to, to step his game up. Is that, yeah, we were talking before the show that we thought maybe it would be a time well spent today to just bash our children and their performance on the field. And if you want to get in on that action out there, uh, listeners, let's be honest. We all support our kids. We love our kids. We love watching them play. We love watching them play. But when they go 0 for 3, I mean. It's time to run the flagpole. Make that foul pole after the the, the flagpole sprint out in dead center. I mean, some of it's just inexcusable. Well, I mean, do they know what they put us through? First and foremost, financially. Second of all, uh, do, do they know that every time they they go, you know, Roger Dorn at third base, I want to be Lou Brown, march out to third, and say, "What's with this Olay?" I know. I mean, and when they and when they complain about. Especially my kids, he's eight. He doesn't like playing in the field. I'm like, well, then you got to learn because he just likes to bat. That's so what they all say. So he's a and DA. Like, so he's a DH already. That's what they all say. All the kids, oh, he's a bat. <laughs> like, well, to do that, you need to learn how to make outs <laughs> on defense. <laughs> Otherwise. <laughs> You're just is this is this your, your is this the car, is going to be delayed? Is this the car ride home? <laughs> it is not. Little the car t- ride home little is T van strapped in the back seat and Dad screaming with the windows up. 
Well, how do you expect to bat if you don't keep the ball in front of you? You know, like, no, we, no. See, ride son, home. When, when, when you throw it to first base and it's a low-sinking missile, and every opportunity, whoever's at first base, two of our three lefties, they don't want every single potential out to be a murder on their hamstrings at age 14 and B, a gold glove top 10 sports center highlight. Making a monster scoop on those just do or die two inches from the bag sinking liner throws over to first where they got to scoop, keep balance, and pray to God no one steps on their Achilles. <laughs> Dude, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Well, what, and, why, why, am I, know, why am I batting the, ninth? Why am I batting ninth? I don't know, a-hole. Maybe you skipped practice <laughs> and went to a, you know a, a, an eighth-grade promotional Get together. Whoa. <laughs> now we're getting really specific. Well, why, why am I bad at night? I don't know. You skip practice to go jack around, probably lift the vehicle. I don't know. Just because juvie records are sealed doesn't mean you're not getting an ass kicking when you get home. <laughs> um, this you know, is therapy for, for the eight-year-olds, us this morning. For, no, for the eight-year-olds, too. They they refuse to hold each other accountable as teammates. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. You want to you want to bat, but you're okay with Johnny over here still being scared of pop flies. Mm-hmm. Like that's not. You need to grab Johnny by the ear and work with him verbally about, and then physically. How, how about stop airmailing any throw to first after the runner's already gotten safe at first? Mm-hmm. It's it's okay to eat it. To, it's okay yeah, to eat it. You just decide to chuck it anyways, and oh, there he goes to two. So if I could take the kids' side here, oh you know, dear lord, because I'm, I'm the young in here. Now I we've all been there when the parents yell at us after after games, right? <laughs> and we we don't quite understand as kids why they're getting so mad, but then we realize how much money has gone into us playing youth sports, and then we realize, oh crap, maybe I should you know went a little harder. No, he, my father had this just very frank talk with me at an early age. And and he's like, son, <clears throat> I love you. I'm there to support you. When I don't talk to you after the game, it's because I'm ashamed. <laughs> but just know that it's okay. I'm not making you walk home. Right. But you're not going to make any team ever. <laughs> so figure out what you can do from a work standpoint at age 14 and beyond. Yeah. That means mowing yards. Do it. Yeah, right. It's time for a little come to Jesus. Yeah. Not going to the NBA. Got no, it. No, no. <laughs> Son, the reason why I don't talk to you about your performance afterwards is because of my extreme disappointment in you. <laughs> and I don't want that to Ed, you know, cloud why, our relationship. Ed, why are you pissed drunk in the fifth inning out in, uh, out, out, out in the bleach? Oh, I get it. I get it now. Get right. it now. And this is pre-Yeti cups. Now that we're on this topic, mm-hmm. all right, this is, this is, it's time for a little bit of back in my day <laughs> talk. This will show our age a little. But, like, seriously think about this for a second. All right. When I played <laughs> in, like, fifth grade, I thought it was brilliant. In, in the Bellevue, like, you know, recreational league, in fifth grade, they, they had a pitching machine. 
Hmm. Pitched okay. the ball. Okay, so you did pitching machine. You were that kid. No, that's that's like the games. The the pitcher that everybody faced was the pitching machine. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. And the beauty of that is that uh, probably with ninety percent accuracy, you got strikes. Sure. And so the game hummed along. <laughs> everybody got three or four at bats. You struck out. You struck out. Everybody got chances to field. Okay, now let's fast forward here. Uh, let's say five years later to present day. Um, you know, that's inaccurate. But um, these are eight-year-olds who are taking the mound. Can you imagine the strike percentage <laughs> of eight-year-old pitchers? Thank God for this one kid on our team when we just, you know, like some co-coaching this team in practice. And, and you know, it's time to, okay, let's see who can pitch, right? And pretty much nobody can. Mm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Except for this one kid. Like, my parents took me to a pitching camp, and he just pumps strikes. <laughs> you know, and you're like, awesome. <laughs> Thank God. Okay, here's our ace. Here's our only guy. So you can't blame the kids. They're out. They're standing out in the out. They're like they hate defense because the pitchers can only, you know, their strikes are like one out of every 10 pitches. And then the coach has to come in to finish the pitching. Right. That's how it works. Right. And I'm just but why? Why even have eight year olds pitch? Right. Like they can't. A couple of them can. But like. And they are Not quickly snatched age, up right? by the more elite travel team. Isn't that too early, though? To I have think so. Kids pitching. I think so. I, I don't remember right. when Junior first took the hill, but it wasn't at age eight? eight. I don't think so. I pray to God, no. Dude, kids are missing teeth. Sure. Still, it, you know, it, it is about the snacks and juice box after the game. Yeah. At that point, it's, it's a yeah. It's not about locating your fastball. No. It's not. They don't even. I don't know. I kind of think that we should. Uh, We've already got a payment plan set up for future dates uh, for said Tommy John surgery because of he thinks he's a crafty lefty that nibbles the uh, the outside <laughs> corner Barry Zito style. Okay, we get we get, but he's not. He's a righty that doesn't throw hard and occasionally oh, finds the zone. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, my boy's a lefty too. No, wow, he's not. He should try it though. Chris, we're just going to be chilling in you know a few years. That's right. Once those contracts once those contracts hit. Because our our love and support the last fifteen minutes have been what got him <laughs> to the finish line. It is the best to watch them play. I I, I it is the do worst. Yes, it I, is the worst. Simply from a pace of play standpoint, uh, I do love them. Just not your child. Um, I'm not kidding. Listen to this. One of my a, a game a few weeks ago. By the way, I think we should start a new podcast on the Herdat family of podcasts. Okay. Totally dedicated to airing youth sports grievances. I just I think it would take off. It's just our, a business and idea. And our and our first guest shall be George Costanza. I mean, a couple, so a couple weeks ago, this is no joke. That the the games are an hour and fifteen minute time limit. All right. After thirty three minutes, eight batters. Combined. That's that's how <laughs> that's how few strikes were thrown. That's how often the catcher <laughs> did not catch the ball. It took 33 minutes and combined between the two teams, only eight players had batted. I like you know what I'm saying? 
Like, who's lear- what are we learning here? What are we what what are we practicing here? Patience. Like fundamentally, this whole thing needs a reboot. Forget you know? forget Memorial Stadium and this argument for booze or this argument for fewer seats. We need a petition for alcohol sales at youth sports. <laughs> What could go wrong? Really? <laughs> every scene will the- every scene will be like the end of Bad News Bears, where the one kid's dad slaps him on the hill. Pure child abuse. No, we don't need that. That's worst case scenario imagined. I think there's responsible parents out there that can handle alcohol and their children. Oof. There are a few. We're half kidding and half not, but no, I mean yeah, there's no baseball for Cranakari this weekend, and that's okay. We've tried like the bucket of KFC. We've tried the rum. We've got something. Oh, you tried we, to you tried to Wade Boggs him. Well, I'm saying a little chicken before I'm, the game, I'm, I'm and you're saying, good. I, well, no, I'm saying you need a live chicken to mm. kind of get on a win streak versus oh, what's been going the gotcha. other way. Gotcha. You're talking some voodoo stuff now, right? And I'm not a voodoo guy, but I need to keep praying. I guess is my point. So, uh, Cranach, let's jump in real quick to <laughs> Joe Castiglione. Maybe he had to watch uh, a grandchild or two this week, and and it was one of those eight batters in an hour and a half moments for him because he let his thumbs do the talking when it comes to uh, kickoff times and the bitter disappointment <laughs> with, the, with the Big 12 and Fox partnership. He ain't happy. What, t- tell me more here. Tell, tell me more here. What, 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 what... Joe Castiglione, Oklahoma, being irate about Nebraska, Oklahoma. Oh, the, the kickoff time. Sorry, yes. 11 a.m. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that is a weird statement to make. And, and it's weird, the statement, how it comes across like as a social media graphic. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? The whole thing's kind of strange. Um. Hmm. I I don't know how I feel about. I'm actually I'm kind of glad from a Nebraska point of view that it's at 11 a.m. You're going versus, with us. You know that you don't. Have I don't think choice. I am. Yeah, you're getting trank darted, uh, and and you are being abducted to to go down to Norman. I don't I don't know that I am. Oh. I don't know that I am. Listen, I'm I'm cool with going somewhere and watching Nebraska get worked, but then at least being able to settle on the fact that oh. I'm in Oregon or, oh, I'm in Seattle or, oh, I'm in the mountains of Colorado. But Oklahoma, I'm good, man. I don't need to do any noodling. Uh, We can take you to Switzer's. I mean, that would be kind of cool. But I, you know, I'm like, look, this is supposed to be probably going to be the number one team. That's fine. But think of think of the. I don't, I don't know. Think of, they, the, well, think of the pageantry and think of, I mean, think about what, what's being celebrated. I Look, I understand all that. But also think of how Oklahoma traditionally starts, really ever since the Bob Stoops era, how they start their seasons. They start their seasons with 50 to 10 whoopings well, maybe of whoever they're playing. Maybe it's going to be like 09 where Sam Bradford gets destroyed by a BYU linebacker and they got a running back handing off to... Uh, somebody not named Adrian Peterson in 2009. 
Just saying. Look, maybe. It may, it may be. And maybe Nebraska pulls it off. It just doesn't. No, doesn't that, 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 that's right not that's not happening. <laughs> but, yeah, no. but maybe it's maybe they cover. <laughs> so why go? Why? Why? Because it's Nebraska. I, because it's Nebraska, Oklahoma. Is it, though? Is it, though? Yeah. Is it? Is it? Uh, I mean, it is, but I mean, is it, it? it? It's not number one versus number two. It's okay. not number three versus number five. It's not 01 or 2000. Was saw both of those. Well, you make a fair point, Counselor, as far as what it isn't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, look, 11 a.m. for that game, I think, benefits Nebraska. Sure. You know, it gives you, gives you a chance so that the place isn't all heated up and it's a, a night game and... You know, Nebraska needs every advantage it can get. And as a member of the Big Ten, it is used to kicking off very early. So I'm good with that. Um, I don't know. Where do you stand? I, well, I I'm, I'm going. I can't wait to go. It's road show time. It'll be like Boulder where we were doing shows Friday and Saturday. Ah, uh, Chris. Oh. First, and, first and foremost, I'm excited for that. And the the company we're with, the RV roadie with Uncle Andy, I mean, he's got a, a sweet setup, and I think it's it's going to be phenomenal to be on a road show with football, with fans, with people from Oklahoma that are great folks. Every time I've been down to Norman, win or I've never seen him lose, uh, and. No, man, it, it'll feel it, that will be both slaps to the cheek of, OK, things are are back back. You realize how close that is, by the way? Hmm. I mean, it's like three months. I know. You know what I mean? It's, well, it's, we're down it's, to 92 like days, 91 days till kickoff. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really that's really coming up. Um, look, I don't I don't know. The, the whole I the one thing I do like you about need this, some convincing. No, but the one thing I do like about how this game is setting up. So, like, just from a sheer on-paper competitive standpoint, it does not look good for Nebraska, obviously. Right? It just doesn't. But there are all these outside kind of motivational influences that have crept into this thing. Of course, there's history and all that tradition. That, duh. Right? That's all there. But then you have the Nebraska trying to pull out of the game. Are they? Were they trying to pull out? Right. Ooh, like that that adds a little extra motivation, right? Which probably upset even the players where they're like, what? We'll take on anybody. We don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, we're no. Right. So maybe they got a little extra juice. And then now Oklahoma's mad about the game time of 11 a.m. or some other. T- it's setting up to to be pretty damn intense. Oh, big right? time. I mean, like, there's there's a lot of storylines going into this thing, man. Yeah. it's and, and look, on one side, you got you got Spencer Rattler, who is a. Super polarizing quarterback type. I mean, he's almost like, I don't know if you've seen any of the behind the scenes stuff with him, but the way he kind of jabs and jars at teammates, he's a different sort. Sure. Right. Like he's, he's a, he's, he's almost like a, almost like a character in a movie where it's like, God, I can't believe he's that much of a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's just like not a great dude, but at the same time, his results are really good and he's really talented. Um, he's the so, vocal leader. Yeah, well, right, but he but he's got a very different style, and you know he's a he's a different cat. Uh, so you got him who's who's going to be all about it. You got Nebraska who sort of feels slighted and feels like they're ready to break through. It, look, it's 
it does set up to be pretty intense. And let's think about where Nebraska's strength is. Like, if you're going to go against Oklahoma, your secondary better better be on point. They need to be on point. You're going to have a bunch of super and, seniors, and you got nine of eleven starters back. Yeah. Well, and look, I I think I I feel pretty good about Nebraska's secondary. Amen. You know, I, I th- and, and when you have folks like a Jojo Doman, uh, you really need that too. You need mm-hmm. those hybrid types when they go five wide and, you know, catch you in alignment situations going fast. Like you better have people on the field that can pull a lot of double duty. And Nebraska's got those guys. I, so you're talking yourself into this through oh this little God, exercise. Yes. I'm not trying to. Now, and then getting to Rattler, like he gets the ball out so fast. So getting to him is a problem. You know, I, I don't know that you really can without doing some really exquisite blitz stuff. But then if you do that, you leave yourself open somewhere else and he tends to exploit it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll go. I just, mm-hmm. Think about think about it this way, Cranach. I mean, if, if you got to think about the potential. I mean, let's say these two things happen. Nebraska wins and they find Bigfoot when you're down there. I mean, don't you want to be down there for that? <laughs> I mean, the finder's fee for the Bigfoot sighting. Yeah, it would be kind of cool. Yeah. See, Uh, it it might it might be worth going. But at the same time, finish it off with a bottle of Switzer wine. At the same time, how nice would it be to just be relaxing at home after a 55 to 17 loss? No, that's where you want to roll your sleeves up and do a post game. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> which you can do from the comfort of your home without, yeah, you know, having yes, to worry about yeah, the Yes, you can. <laughs> which you, without the eight to nine hour drive. It's six and a half. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma City? No, it's Norman. Well, I know it's Norman, but I'm just... It's, it's six and a half, it's six and a half, seven, and, and Uncle Andy's RV is... It kind of looks like Heisenberg on the outside, but it looks glamping butte beautiful on the inside he's redone the interior six and a half hour because it's it's like four and a half to five to wichita well i guess well you might be saying from lincoln so never mind mm-hmm. never mind yeah, from yeah, omaha yeah. i would consider the oklahoma city area of which norman is part of mm-hmm. eight but okay six and a half makes it a little more appealing mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know man well, we'll we'll get uh, Sharpie's thoughts on this and Brandon Vogel next hour. We've had a little therapy this morning with uh, youth baseball. We are lucky we have the coaches we have. I want to reiterate that. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, we do, despite our our best commentary, we do a lot. We do love our children. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's just you, you know you, you need people to talk to to get stuff off your chest. Yeah, yeah. That's what this show's for. And this is all, uh, you know, off air, off the record this morning, clearly. So uh, we'll uh, step away. Really good insight coming up in our Rewind, Cranach. Remember Brandon Kinney? Yes. Yeah, Wide receiver, number 84. Juco recruit. Yeah, number 84. And uh, mm-hmm. was pretty big time with Nebraska. And uh, he loves kind of keeping an eye on, on his uh, Huskers. Uh, we spent some time with BK this week and uh, got a little more in-depth on just what it, well, hey, you and I have no idea, but what it's like to be a big-bodied wide receiver and, uh, you know, what that can do and the receiver room, his outlook, uh, some thoughts on uh, the recruiting side of things and in life uh, as a JUCO 
and uh, Carl Polini's thoughts towards uh, JPP when JPP decided to go to South Florida instead of Nebraska. Mm. You could have had Indomitian Sue and JPP on the same defensive line in 09. Or, oh, excuse me. That I think they would have missed each other, but it would have been Levante David and JPP on the uh, the Jeez. same front seven. So that yeah, would have right. worked. Yeah, weekend edition of Tale of Our City Radio. Quick timeout. Back with more. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio and anxious to get uh, some Husker talk going. And uh, the wide receiver room is a particular interest to many Nebraska fans. Let's bring in a standout for Nebraska. Uh, played wide out, good size receiver. Brandon Kenny back with us at BKinney84 on Twitter's where you find him. Brandon, what's up, man? How you been? Hey, Chris, how are you, brother? I'm doing well, man. I've been good. I tell everyone I usually see is that I got a pulse, man, so I could not complain about anything at all. No, I. Uh, there's no complaints <laughs> on our end, just that, that football season, I know we, uh, spring ball just wrapped up, but uh, yeah. let's, let's get mm-hmm. football season uh, ready to rock. And I wanted to get your, pers- your, your perspective on some things, uh, Brandon. And, you know, you're a, you're a bigger body wide out, uh, 6'3", 225, and we're, we're a big mm-hmm. time target. And you had the... Uh, the the ability to transition Big Twelve to Big Ten, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Nebraska's kind of gone to work with their body types with with who's in that receiver room now, and if you can't, let's start off and just speak to well the advantage it gave you not only separating but but just kind of gaining that trust from a quarterback because of the the the, the catch radius. Absolutely. So I, I think for me, I, I was lucky um, because I got to play in the Big Twelve and Big Ten, obviously, but. It was one of those things where I felt that in the Big 12, those cornerbacks would be big, bigger guys usually most of the time. I remember the Oklahoma games in Colorado dealing with Jaleel Brown. Um, and um, I cannot remember the other guy that was – he's played for the Ravens, I believe, but I can't tell him. Jimmy Smith, I believe sure, it is. Yeah. Um, um, but dealing with bigger guys like that. So it was tough and it was a challenge because, I mean, even though I'm 225, this guy's – Six two six three two ten, right? That's a lot that I've really got to make sure that my uh, my mechanics and everything are right within within those game plans. So once I got to the Big Ten, the biggest thing that I noticed was that those were, those cornerbacks are a little smaller on, on that end, more so. Uh, so it was a little bit different. It was a great adjustment because I, ha- I got to play against different types of receive. I mean, I'm sorry, cornerbacks with obviously dealing with the Alfonso Denard and Prince Mukamara every day in practice too. Uh, but I think the biggest thing um, that I gained uh, when I was doing the, my time with Zach Lee or the Taylor Martinez is, was just doing the stuff extra, staying after, running at the running at the top of right, doing the small things to catch as many balls as I could from Taylor, from Zach, just so you can get that repetition, just so you can kind of see what that zing of the ball is and you can get used to it. There's really no substitute for chemistry, correct? Yes, absolutely. I agree. I I, I think that's absolutely true, and I think that. It, it, it shows how much you care um, when, you, when you're doing that back-end stuff. I mean, I even look at it now when I'm preaching and coaching the kids. I always look back on mine, and I give them examples of 
small things that I know that I could have worked on harder, but I didn't, right? And I just feel like it's times that I left a lot there because I could have did a lot more reps. I could have did some extra uh, more stuff. So I think it speaks volumes as, as far how, how how good you want to be as a core, but also having that chemistry with the quarterback. Talking with Brandon Kinney here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Brandon, I look at a guy like Samari Toure, and he's been playing at Montana State, and now he comes to Nebraska and is going up against a guy in like Cam taylor Britt and other guys in the secondary. Just how important is it to be going up against those high-level guys day in, day out in practice? I think it's great because it, it, you're getting those looks every day in practice. Like, and, and I didn't mean this in a disrespectful way when people would ask me this, but they would say, well, who was the best DBs that you ever faced? And I'm like, ah, I mean, we faced some good DBs, but I played against Alfonso Denard and Principal Cabrera every single day. So, like, it's like I, I, it was a challenge every day. I had to really come uh, with my hard hat on, ready to work, ready to grind, um, ready, to, ready to really, really work my craft to get better. And going against guys like that, I mean, you come to the game, it's like, okay, I'm good. So that competition level is really, really good because it builds camaraderie, A, but it also builds that, like, we're together. We're doing this together, and we're one of the best crew. Like, we want to walk and talk like that. Did Fonzie just mug you? <laughs> I mean, seriously, he's he he's not the tallest dude, but man, he just he just he just murdered folks, and he did it yeah. really at a high level for New England, of course. Yes. But I mean, yes. I, I, how'd you even get how'd you how'd you get off of him? It was times and where it was tough. It was times where it was really 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 tough. Um, but it was times that I got the best of him. You know what I'm saying? And just being a bigger cat and being physical. Um, but Alfonso, to be as small as he was, man, he brought he brought some power, man. Tell me what you think of the receiver room. I know you watched the spring game, and, and that's not a great window because yeah. of just how, yeah, not really. how yeah. uh, vanilla ice cream it was. But Toure's mm-hmm. a guy that can work outside, but, man, he can be nice in the slot. You saw mm-hmm. uh, a slant route with him. Oliver Martin's been at a couple of big-time yeah. schools, yeah. and he's athletic as all get out. And then yeah. uh, also your takeaway on Omar, who, who needs to get on the field and stay on the field. Yeah. You, see, you see the talent yeah. there. Yes. No, I love it. And I love seeing it. Like you said, like I didn't get up, you know, I was super, super excited about the spring game because I was there. Um, but it was still okay, obviously, right? But I, I, I'm a huge fan um, of Omar Manning. Obviously, I'm a little biased being a Juco guy um, and being a big body guy coming in. But it's like I heard so many stories about him, about the spectacular catches that he would make in practice and the Odell Beckham like catches that he would make. It was just kind of, like you said, getting on the field staying on the field if it's playbook or whatever it may be. Now, he had a big drop in the spring game mm-hmm. where I felt that, you know, that big post route, like those are ones you have to grab. You have to make those big plays. But, man, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of him, man, because I think he's a big physical guy, runs good routes. Um, and he complements everything that we're trying to implement, especially with those big tight ends and those targets. So I think once we can get that rolling, making some big plays and getting that consistent and that's a swagger about these guys, you can really see some special start to form there. What, what, you know, as you look at what is on the field, you look at the offensive line, you look at the quarterback. I know they're still trying to, to settle in at running back, and there's time to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. But they've 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 done a you know a, a makeover at wide receiver, body type wise. What yep. do you what do you envision the offense doing? And, and kind of the last glimpse was the Rutgers game where, man, it was a mess turnover-wise, but they did whatever mm-hmm. they wanted, uh, throwing the ball or running the football. So what what can the offense be in your eyes here in 2021? I think just with adding those bigger guys, right, you add better blocking. 
uh, more physical blocking, maybe more of that imposing your will type of thing. But when you got guys that are big, but not only big, but fast, strong, physical, agile, then you're adding another level to it because now you got some things that can go across the middle, and these guys can really move in those 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 aspects. So I think I think this can open up a lot uh, for the run game too. Because I mean, even the time that I was there with guys like me, Niles, Mike McNeil, Mental, Mentally Colt, like. We took pride in blocking, right? We took pride in it. Like we, we, we would make fun of the uh, of of us in the sense of calling ourselves glorified linemen, but we took pride in it, right? We had fun doing it. We used to go back on film and watch the pancakes, and and we love that because for me, that's what I want to do. The beginning of the game, I want to impose my will. I want to I want to try to come off the line as hard as I can and really beat a DB up and let them know like this is going to be a long game. But not only am I going to beat you up in the blo- the blocking game. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a stir you back and forth, right? So I'm going to go wide receiver game. I'm going to go block, and now I'm going to mix it up. So I think when you add all of those tools together, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of potential for a breakout year on that whole offensive side. You're talking about being imposing as a wide receiver, and that's kind of the, the, the trait I remember of the receivers back whenever you were playing in Nebraska. So who really instilled that within the wide receiver room? Was, was that a player-led thing or was that a coach-led thing? That was an absolute coach-led thing, and that was that was Ted Gilmore um, at the time. I mean, we took we took pride in that. And when he came to recruit me um, at um, Fort Scott Community College, it was funny because uh, one game after I think it was my bowl game, and I had a huge game. I had to, we played Blinn um, down in Corpus, Texas, I believe. We played there uh, for a bowl game, and um, I had a huge game. So I'm calling him after the game, like, Coach, I did this. I had three touchdowns. Blah blah blah. blah. And he said, Okay, what? Who did you have any pancakes? Like, did you have any big blocks? And I'm like, ah, well, I can't really remember those. So it was absolutely Ted Gilmore instilling that in us. But then being competitive guys, we took on that, that mass and that attitude of saying, like, okay, like, if it's pancakes, what are we going to do? And we're going to spring the Roy Haylouz and the Rex Burkhead for huge games. Like, let's be that because we can still get, right, we can still get TV time for that. We can still get some love for some good blocks. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely, Coach Gilmore. Brandon, you talked a little today about your, your JUCO days. And, I mean, uh, when we're talking about Omar Manning, I mean, my, my experience with JUCO is, is watching Last Chance mm-hmm. U. So can, can I just ask you, what is that jump like going from a, a JUCO yeah. to Nebraska? Um, it, can be, it can be overwhelming, right? Because the first thing you try to do is you compare your playbook to um, your old playbook to Nebraska's playbook, right? So you try to – you try to take the easy route to start because you, you're just worrying about getting on the field. I want to play. And that's what I was doing. I was comparing plays. Okay, this play is called this, and this is different. But while I'm coming from a one-play one, one call type of thing to a whole West Coast offense, you can't do that. And once I got there, I think they saw that I, start, I was doing that, and they told me immediately, like, like, BK, that won't work. Can't do that. So once I really sat down and got in the playbook, started to understand it, started to really get through in the fire – it was kind of a thing that I just had to work my confidence up into it. You know what I'm saying? I think it's always great if you can graduate early. Um, I was a guy that came over in the summer. Uh, but I feel like if I would have graduated earlier, too, I would have had, a, obviously, a big head start on it. Uh, but, yeah, it, it could be a whole a huge leap because I had my dauber down for a while um, before I finally got a chance in that Iowa State game that we lost 7-9. to nine, But I had a few catches to kind of gain some momentum um, in what I was doing there. Few minutes here, Brandon Kenny with us talking Nebraska football 2021. Of course, BK standout wideout for Nebraska, uh, 09 through uh, 2011. And uh, follow him on Twitter at bkitty84 is where you can find him. So you just touched on that transition, and 
Brandon, what was the grind like to to get through JUCO and then get the payoff with with a Nebraska out there, and then and then two of your other really close buddies and teammates, Levante and Yoshi, as well, all mm-hmm. ending up at the same mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. Um, no, it, it was it was the, the 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 grind of it is real um, because it's 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 something that I wasn't expecting because I didn't know what it looked like. Um, I, I felt disappointed in myself because I didn't go Division One right out of high school, um, but in hindsight, it was it was absolutely the, the 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 perfect situation for me for me to learn because I needed to learn expectations. I needed to learn how to work hard and figure things out. So to go to a, a place like Fort Scott, right, and have to go through the the gutter of things like it made me really, really appreciate um, Nebraska and appreciate what I had there because it's so funny. I always tell this story uh, when I went to Nebraska, and you know, after you come out of the the weight room and you got the landing area, and I don't know if they switched that up. I think they built something different within them. I'm not for sure, but when I was there, you come out the weight room in the landing area where you had the the dispensers of like the Gatorade and the different color things that whatever that you wanted. So I just remember going up there and trying to get some Gatorade, but they had water, and then they had cold water. And I was like, oh, I made it, dude. I got a different type of water I could get. <laughs> so it made me really, really, really appreciate what I had. Like, dude, I didn't have any options of any of this stuff. So um, it was very, very – it was a fun time, and it made me really look like – look at, like, dude, I really I really accomplished something. Like, being in a Big 12 championship my first year in Nebraska in a Dallas new stadium, like – my neck hurts so bad because I just looked up at the drama trying the whole game. It like hurt so bad after the game because my, my neck was just in that position. Uh, so it really, really made me appreciate those things. And then to have my friends with me, right, like, like to have guys that I really grinded with that learned, I learned how to be a better man and grow up with was awesome. And I, didn't, I, I, I knew it was going to be a long shot, but I, I just told myself, like, I got to try. I absolutely have to try. And it was so funny because I remember when Levante went on his visit to – um, USF, uh, and his girlfriend at the time was, was, was going there. So they were calling me and like, BK, what is he doing? What's happening? I'm like, I, don't, I can't get a hold of him. I don't know either. I'm like, but he said he's coming, so he's fine. So after the, the days he went down there, he turned his phone back on and he called me. He's like, BK, man, I just wanted a free trip with my girlfriend. He was like, I'm coming to Nebraska. We're like, okay, cool. All right, we're good. We're good. We're good. So, uh, so it was good. It was good. I am, I am so thankful uh, to the Lord for this, my opportunities and, and the things that I got to see uh, when coming to Nebraska because, I mean, I've literally created, like, long, long life friends with all of these guys and just to be around something that was so um, camaraderie built in such an awesome tradition, man, I'm forever grateful for that. So was it Eckler blowing your phone up? I mean, how was this working? Yeah, it was all of us. It. it was Eckler, it was Bo, it was Carl. I'm like, he said he's coming. I mean, Yoshi had graduated early at that time, too. So he was so mad. He was like, I swear, if he, if he, if he played me and ditched me, we, we made a pat. I'm like, Yoshi, relax, bro. Like, he said he's coming. He's coming. So it was funny. It was a fun time. What's that, what's that phone call like from Carl? Oh, no, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it was, it's so funny because, you know, my first visit that I came here, it was me, Jason Pierre-Paul, and Jaquan Williams. They both went in, obviously got drafted. Jaquan got drafted, I believe, the seventh round, and then Jason Pierre-Paul, obviously. Um, so, but, but once we, we, we took our visit and we came back home, and I had made my decision, but Jaquan and Jason were like, you know, we're going to USF. So when I was signing my letter of intent, Carl was there. Um, at Fort Scott, and then Jason came by, and he was like, "Hey, coach, I just you know, 
just want to let you know that, you know, I'm not coming, but I just appreciate everything. And then uh, Carl was like, okay, well, you just made the biggest mistake of your life. And I was like, oh, God. And I'm like, oh, man, really? <laughs> this is JPP. It, 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 it was too late for me because my, my name was already signed. I'm like, what? What happened? <laughs> That's so good. Uh, yeah, man. You know, so awesome. So awesome. Borderline Hall of Famer uh, and, yeah. and guy that's Legit, got no. rings, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. At Kitty. 84 on Twitter is where you find him. Brandon, last thought, we'll uh, get you out of here, but what's what's your take on Adrian, man? Uh, Adrian's started his own podcast, and he sounds like he's really comfortable. He, he's had the hype, and he's had the pressure, and, you, I mean, you can understand the, the, the pressures, but I don't think any of us get what it's like to be a quarterback in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, and, I think, and I think that's one thing that we – if you want to say took for granted with Taylor, I mean, because it was some things that I used to think like, man, Taylor, what are you doing? But it's like, imagine being an 18, 19-year-old kid, a quarterback from Nebraska, right, from California, and you're here and everybody's talking about you. Like, yeah, certain stuff, you you don't know how to answer, right? You're just figuring it out. You just want to get out of it. So um, I definitely understand trying to navigate through that. So it's super, it's hard. And I have a lot of grace for that, but I just think he's overdue for a great year um, to go from the, you know, Heisman freshman year, oh, my goodness, to kind of like, ah, what's wrong with him? Is he hurt? What's this? What's that? I just think he's overdue. So I think I think this is an awesome year. It's going to be an awesome year for him. I feel like he's put the work in. He looked good from what I saw at the spring game from the little small things and and, and running. So I hope, it, I hope it's a great one for him. I really, really do. Brandon Kitty with a standout Husker at uh, BKitty84. Brandon, what are you doing, man? I know you said you're preaching. I know you said you're, you're training. So give folks uh, a heads up with where they can hear you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have just started my own training business. So um, it's called Alliance Sports Training. Um, if you want to go to register your athlete, anything like that, please go to the website, alliancesportstraining.com. But uh, we just want to give opportunity to all kids, all kids in whatever situation, at an affordable price to really get in here and work not only their skills but um, build their faith and their character development first. Um, so that's the mission. Um, that's what I'm after. Um, uh, we're getting ready to start Alliance Youth Nights um, June 7th at Emmanuel Fellowship Church where we will be um, doing like Bible studies and we'll be eating and then we'll have options to play some games and sports and arts and crafts and things like that. So, man, just just kingdom building, man, and just using my light, man, that God has given me um, to just change generations, man, to really, really change generations and implement um, what this life is all about, man. Brandon, good stuff. We'll do this again. We'll uh, love hearing from you, and thanks for taking time. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much, man. Be blessed. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with you, Tower 2, Weekend Edition, Hail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, uh, Will Wilson in this morning. And uh, can find us and follow us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Mark Cranach is at Mark Skurs. And uh, Will Wilson at uh, Willie J Radio. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, coming up uh, around 830 
Uh, we welcome in the managing editor for HailVarsity.com and Magazine, his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, how's your Saturday? Did, did you get much sleep last night? Uh, about average. It's, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Uh, had, had worse over the past couple of weeks, so I guess I should uh, consider myself fortunate. And now BTN is playing the, the 1995 Rose Bowl, uh, Penn State, Oregon. So, so yeah. that's a pretty good, pretty good start to a Saturday. So, is that Joey Harrington? No, this is uh, this is this is earlier, earlier Oregon. Uh, kind of like Oregon was bad for a long time, and I think this was around their their first real uh, kind of push to success. Harrington would come six, seven years later, and then of course oh, we get Chip Kelly Frost there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, in the first hour, Brandon, we were uh, being great it was, fathers. It was, yeah, it was festivist. We were we were airing our grievances about um, the state of youth sports, um, and more so and, our children versus everyone else's or or the coaching. Yeah, and you and you being a, a new father, you're only a few years away from uh, getting into the youth sports circuit. Right, it's a whole the dreaded world. five-year-old soccer match where it's four degrees outside on a Saturday morning. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Um, and I just want to get your kind of early philosophy on, you know, how you think that's going to go down, right? Like, what are you going to get your boy involved in, not involved in? What are your expectations of him and the league and the sport and all that? Just broad strokes, where, you know. You're a few years away from it. What, what are you anticipating? What are you dreading? Um, well, I told Christina before the baby was born that I didn't care what he did, and I would be happy with anything as long as it wasn't wrestling. That was my one, and, and no disrespect to the wrestlers out there. In fact, a lot of respect to the wrestlers because my personal uh, fear of it was I, I had to do it for a little bit when I was a youth, and in junior high, and I, it, it was just not the lifestyle for me. So um, mm-hmm. as long as he doesn't want to wrestle, I'll, I'll be good with just about anything else. Soccer was something well, where I grew up and when I grew up that it wasn't really a factor, but I've grown to become a pretty big soccer fan, so I'm into that. Um, baseball, I played a lot of baseball as a kid. That's kind of the classic one, and, and I don't know which way to go with that. I know you guys are both heavily involved uh, in that one in particular, uh, I had some traumatic baseball experiences, but I also played a lot and, and had a lot of fun doing it. So, well, well, let's, let's, that's let's, kind of on. the way of the land. Vogues, you that's, know, that's, oh, that's, we're sad here, man. You did, the way you said I had some traumatic baseball yeah. experiences made me want to let's, just let's eject. Let's unpack that. No, no, let's unpack that. <laughs> Listen, this is a, we're, we're trying to make ourselves – this is therapeutic for everybody here. Let's unpack that. What, what, was, what was traumatic about your early baseball experience? Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe, maybe that was uh, a, a bit of an exaggeration, but so uh, there weren't a ton of youth sports like when I grew up and just being in a small town, which is part of the reason I ended up, you know, having to wrestle. There was wrestling. There was no like youth football, not really a ton of youth basketball until I got into like fifth grade or so. But of course you start playing baseball as soon as you can hit off of the tee. And uh, I liked baseball. I enjoyed playing it. I couldn't hit. And I worked at it, and I worked at it, and my dad would work with me all the time. 
And it just became this kind of thing where I would dread going to the games because I loved every other part of it. I loved playing second base, shortstop, outfield, whatever. Um, I would try and pitch a little bit. wasn't great at that. But when it came to hitting, like it was just something that never fully clicked for me. Um, so that that was it. Uh, I was probably the opposite of most, you know, nine-year-old baseball players. It's like, yeah, if there was a designated fielder, I, I'm in. <laughs> That is different. And that's when you knew that Brandon was cut from a different cloth. Vogues, thank you for bearing your soul this morning. My God, that who hasn't gone to the plate and just please, God, just have him hit me. Well, (laughs) it's funny you guys bring that up. I I came up around the time um, with when Kyle Peterson was around at Creighton Prep. And I'll never forget that. I, I was lead off when he was coming back from his injury and he had already committed to Stanford. He was already like all state and he was six foot a thousand and Mm -hmm. (laughs) through 5 billion miles an hour. And yeah, there's a little bit of dread sometimes when you roll up there, you know, you don't even have armpit hair yet. And you're like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Like I should, geez, I did ground out though. I did. Nice. I kind of closed my. I kind of closed my eyes, and somehow the ball hit the bat. And <laughs> well, it's always nice I'm, to know, you know, Peterson's such a good fielder off the mound. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I snuck it by him to short. Ah, good. I think so. Brandon Vogel's with us. So, I want to go to wrestling here for a moment. I've got state champions in my family, not on my side, but brother-in-law, and they were incredible. Uh, with with their prowess i don't think they lost or if they lost it was maybe one or two times and i had friends when we were growing up that would wrestle right you know third fourth fifth grade and i went to practice once and i didn't have to grapple nor get pinned by a sophomore named chip okay on the mat but dude i i i'm with you maybe i'm a wuss whatever i want nothing to do with it I absolutely, and I, and I, you know, Mark Manning's incredible. Wrestling's phenomenal. I'm not tough enough to do it. And I think you're a tough dude, Vogue, so I think you could have been okay, but I get that forced factor, right? <laughs> dude, and it's not, it's, it's not even just the toughness. It is the sheer amount of, like, stamina. Oh, the conditioning. No thanks. It's crazy. Give me a twinkie. So the only experience I had with it was, like, seventh grade gym class when we had to do it. And at that time, you're in really good shape and, you know, you're playing outside all the time. I have never been more exhausted than trying to go through like a wrestling match. Like it is obscene how much strain that puts on your body. Yeah, it's it, it's tough. Um, we basically if you were if you played in my junior high, like you, you did four sports throughout the year and wrestling came before basketball and just everybody did it. And like. Yeah, having to go get on a school bus and go to a wrestling meet on a Saturday and sit there all day to go out and get penned twice uh, <laughs> when you didn't want to be doing it at all. It was, uh, man, I, I, was, I was really miserable. And you give me too much credit, Smitty, because like, I, I'm fully aware that, yeah, I just I wasn't tough enough to be a wrestler. Um, so 
ton of respect. And then, of course, you know, you get in high school, and that's like the divide. Everybody plays football together. But then you're like, oh, those are the wrestling guys. And the <laughs> basketball guys over here are, you know, they got their own thing going on. So you had friendly rivalry, and it's just it's never left me. So. Well, you found your, uh, your, your sweet spot as the Magic Johnson of Hastings basketball. So... Uh, playing point guard Brandon Vogels with his Vogues. Uh, I want to dive into some coaching numbers, specifically where uh, the the Big Ten's coaches rank. We we talked about this last week, and I know Dr. Petey had a story on it here when it comes to CBS Sports ranking all the Power uh, Five coaches heading into the 2021 season. And uh, as you'd expect, Ryan Day and Pat Fitzgerald are, are in the top 10. It goes down the full list. Frost comes in here as number 11 out of 14 when it, when it comes to coaches' rankings. Right in front of Brom, Tucker, and, and, and Loxley in at 61. Frost kind of comes in at 47. Give me one coach in the Big Ten. If, 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 if Brandon Vogel and Cranach, you're next. Who you're drafting in in a coach draft. And you can be obvious and it's okay. Ryan Day's proven he's really good. But you can also go off the board. If you had one coach to pick a program, who's it going to be? I mean, Day, Day's kind of tough to assess. Like, you know, he's... He got the keys to the kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. But it seems like he's a really good coach, and you know he's he's done a really good job. I remember writing after Urban Meyer's last bowl game in Ohio State that like, hey, Brian Day has all of the advantages in the world. He's very likely going to be very good, but it's still just hard to win eighty percent of your games, which is what Urban Meyer did. Uh, and then it feels like he took a step backwards, but so far. He, he's done that. Um, he maybe even has elevated Ohio State a, a tiny bit, and there wasn't much higher to go. Um, but I think my pick, you know, for the average job in college football would would be Pat Fitzgerald. Um, the length of time that he has done that, and yes, Northwestern, you know, has its has its three and nine seasons, and it's it's seven and six seasons, and then it bounces back out of those to win ten games or eleven games or nine games and be in contention for. The, the Big Ten, uh, with all of the challenges at Northwestern, I think Pat Fitzgerald is, is the pick for me because that guy can create a winning football program and a kind of culture of accountability, I think, almost anywhere you go. He, he wins, and mm-hmm. even if they go 3-9, and nine, they're coin flip losses with no quarterback and you're scoring six points a game and you're in every game. Northwestern... Mm. has been competitive most falls. And I think mm. that's and, – and even if they have a, a down season, they'll still scare the hell out of you or, or take somebody down, right, in, mm. in, in Northwestern. And, you know, I think that's a, that's a good take. I, you know what? If I'm mm. drafting a coach and then Cranach, I'll, I'll get to you. I like Tom Allen. Maybe it's, yep. too, maybe it's too soon. But I love what he has done. I like the path he's traveled. He's a South Florida guy. We will. We were hearing from Brandon Kenny uh, last segment, and that South Florida squad with Jim Levitt, right? Well, they they landed JPP and almost landed Levante David. Well, uh, Levitt's defensive coordinator was was Tom Allen, and then you get Allen to Indiana, and you just wonder 
where's Indiana going to go? They've always scored 50 points with the uh, the Kevin Wilson offense. Well, Tom Allen's recruiting classes aren't ranked great, but they just they develop. They're they've been competitive against Ohio State. I I'm taking Tom Allen because and maybe I'm I'm a sucker for good social media. But I, I love every clip I see of him. He's like your your junior high PE teacher that you like going to you like going to class for bike shorts and a whistle. But he's, yeah. but he's not so ancient that you're worried about him being out of touch. There's there's me. That's Tom Allen. That's where I'm going. Yeah, and I, look the the two that both of you guys have mentioned are 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 my top two. And but I give the edge to Tom Allen as well for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, and then just that. Just that sense you get, again, from those social media clips of just a super, it appears, a super healthy culture where they completely maximize. And you can say the same thing about Northwestern. Mm-hmm. There's no question. Um, but from Tom, for Tom Allen to kind of bring them up out of the ashes, <laughs> Indiana has, you know, zero football tradition. None. Northwestern, Pat Fitzgerald has been kind of building and doing that thing for a long time. But I think it says a lot for Tom Allen that he can even make them a factor, right? Like just making them a factor alone is a win. And then two, just the the brand of football that they play, really good defense, really assignment sound, dudes that are all in. They just, they just seem to lack any sort of drama, <laughs> right? Like drama is held in check with that team. Like it's a... Uh, yeah, I'm very impressed with Tom Allen. I'm going to go the other way Everything. here. Go ahead. Go ahead, folks. Go ahead, folks. I just, just one note on Tom Allen. The thing I really love about him, everything has, he has done to get to this point has seemed very intentional. He, he went to Florida to become a high school coach, moved up to UCF because he knew as a Midwestern guy he was going to want those recruiting connections. He was really out in front uh, on a strength and conditioning front to the point where their two, two of their strength coaches got hired by Alabama. It's it's a really good pick, and it's probably Fitzgerald checks a lot of the same boxes for me. But you do wonder since he's only been at Northwestern, and that's where he played, how portable he is. So you guys might have swayed me to Tom Allen. Well, and we'll, we'll just time will tell to me with with Fitzgerald because listen, the the AD gig. I mean, he's going to have a second AD, right? You're going to have a, kind of a shifting landscape at Northwestern. Uh, with the administration and then your direct boss on top of the fact that, all right, uh, did you get passed over for the AD job? I don't know if he was ready to move on from coaching or not, but th- there's there's some, some shifts going on at Northwestern. So at, at some point, he'll keep doing, Fitzgerald will keep doing what he's doing. He's already gone to two out of three uh, Big Ten title games and and not embarrassed himself by the way in either, and so the NFL will come knocking at some point. And I'd see if 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 the Bears' job would have come open or if it ever does come open. I think that's that's something to to look at and think about. Okay, we we circled who we're taking. Is there a coach in the Big Ten you're running from? Mm. I, Lockley. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> do you think it? Do you think he's just you know, a better coordinator than head coach? Well, I, Maryland surprised me a bit 
uh, last year with what they were able to do. I mean, they only got to play five games, so I don't know how good of a look it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a great recruiter. Maryland is always going to recruit at a four, five, six range in the Big Ten. It's just they are, it, you know, and they've done it over multiple guys. I don't see kind of the comprehensive vision beyond, well, let's just get the best guys that we can, and we're going to get some guys that surprise some people, but I, I don't see that being enough. And his, his tenure at New Mexico was was kind of a disaster. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very, very skeptical, I guess, of, of Maryland football at the moment. Uh, yeah, it, I would go, this might be a little surprise, Harbaugh. Same. I, I just, I just Same. think, he, I, yeah, I just think he bring. I think there's sort of too much baggage he brings along. Um, he tends to wear people out wherever he goes, and I think you're seeing some signs of that now. I think he's a good short-term guy. I think he's a really good kind of resurrect, get things on point, get the fundamentals going. Uh, but I just, I just don't see the the staying power with him. I just think he wears people out, and they start to tune him out. I totally agree, and and he's just probably kind of a weirdo and i mean so from a from a deal with standpoint that's rough um i think he's quirky but i think he's genuine i don't think he's fake i think he is just kind of that 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 weird guy and i don't discount what he did at stanford at all no yeah I think, Short term, right? Yeah, I think getting he, he he builds stuff up pretty good. I don't think he can maintain it though. Well, I, and I, some people are like that. Some people are like change agents, sure, where they roll up somewhere, they build something up, but then once it's built, their, their work is done, and they they can't really. <laughs> I can see you know, I can see Harbaugh going back to the NFL at some point and having kind of a two version of what he did with San Francisco. Because think of all the changes he made there. I mean, you go from Alex Smith to Kaepernick. You draft Kaepernick. And and you put that defense together. And you're right. You're right there. You're absolutely right there. And then let's let's go back home to Michigan. I just don't get, and Vogue's once you take, and Cranach, I just don't get for the life of me how they have struggled so much at getting even a competent quasi difference maker at quarterback because he did it at Stanford and he left a, a good cupboard for Shaw. He's picked right at quarterback wherever he's been, uh, be it San Diego or, or Stanford. And then there's Michigan and y- you've got the, the Peterson kid at, at Illinois who's not awesome, but I mean, he was a super high. I think he's a five-star, wasn't he? I mean, he's still in the big 10 uh, I think Dylan McCaffrey's a really good ball player, but he didn't, and, and he lasted. He he hung around there a long time before transferring out. Milton said out, you know, after one year. I don't get how he's not found a quarterback. Michigan's never had problems finding pro-style quarterbacks, and is he is he wanting a Kaepernick-type guy? I, I think so, because when he runs the pistol, they're they're great, but... I just I just don't know how or why they've not found a quarterback with him. Yeah, it's bizarre. And I guess maybe now, you know, with, with the offense coordinator change they made a year ago, they probably are more looking for a dual threat guy. But before that, you know, everybody wants a dual threat guy now. So you should be able to find a kind of prototypical Michigan pro-style quarterback. And some, I, I wonder if some of it wasn't just, 
kind of the circumstances when he showed up, you know, they didn't have the guy that they mm-hmm. wanted. So, so they went and got, you know, a transfer from, from Iowa. And that worked, out, that worked out oh well. I mean, he was okay. It, it, it worked out okay, but, you know, early on in your tenure, I mean, it allowed Michigan to play one, what, 10 games that first year? Yeah, so, so that was the upside. Mm-hmm. And I think now you're getting a little bit of the downside of, well, whoever we picked then, you know, I don't remember the, the chronology of it all and who left or who didn't leave or even who they picked, but it just gets a little messy, I think, when you've got to go to, well, it's a little bit of Adrian Martinez, Joe Burrow debate, mm. um, which, yeah. you know, maybe doesn't support support the case for Michigan shouldn't have taken a transfer. Um, but, you know, it, 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 there's two sides to the coin there, and, and Michigan went one way and, and Nebraska chose to go the other. It's also it's, it's fascinating, real quick, to to just get that uh, that coin flip and and look at it as do you do you develop a guy and hope you're right and hope he develops, or do you kind of take what's what's out there a little bit more season? Go ahead, Krennic. I was going to say add another layer to this conversation: who you're most pessimistic about and who you're most optimistic about. So excluding the, all the coaches that we've talked about already. The, the coach I'm most pessimistic about is Franklin at Penn State. Not sold on him still. There's something about him that I'm I, – I think that he encountered some pretty special players. I think even in their big years, you know, where they were, you know, on the doorstep of the playoffs, got to the Rose Bowl. The, the method in which they did it, it was a lot of YOLO balls <laughs> that went their way. Yes, it did. Right? It was some punt returns or some, like, you know – uh, punt blocks for touchdown. Like I just, I think they had a really nice stroke of luck, but I'm pessimistic about him, and I'm optimistic. I think people forget about him with Shiano at Rutgers. Rutgers has been god awful since they invented the sport in the late 1800s, and uh, but when Shiano was there, all of a sudden you knew about Rutgers, and that place was bumping, and they played physically. I'm very optimistic about what he can do, especially in the in a pretty hot recruiting area. Um, I, I'm optimistic that he's going to get something done. I agree. I mean, Chiana's who I'm optimistic about. Optimistic about. I, I think Franklin will will out talent you to cover his deficiency nine times out of ten. Right? Is he going to get by Ohio State? He's been good enough to do so. Uh, three or four times and did once on the uh, the magic night in Happy Valley. You know, you, you're touching on. I Who am I pessimistic about? I guess I'm pessimistic about Brom because yeah. uh, he, he had it all there. They got hot that first year. They go get a night. They've not really been the same since Auburn took out their UCF uh, frustrations <laughs> on poor Purdue. And, and and he keeps getting elite skill guys, but they're just I, – I think Brom, they should – no matter what his record is, I don't know that they're ever going to do any better than him, aside from the late, great Joe Tiller. But eventually it feels a little warm under his seat right now because of his early success and then it's fallen off. But I'm pessimistic about Brom's future there, and he probably, sh- probably should have jumped to Louisville two years ago, honestly. Uh, I'm optimistic. I, I would say Shiano – and as much as I hate saying this, the dude showed me a lot last year, Fleck, with 
33 people down and still comes into Lincoln and wins. And, and he just continues to find a way. I mean, I don't know if he's long-term Minnesota, but I think he is – I think his, his people's dislike for his personality uh, outweighs the fact that that dude develops people. And he's not getting four- and five-star guys. He just develops ball players. And look at all the, the Minnesota contributions in the NFL, be it at wideout or even a kid like Winfield for Tampa. They don't win a Super Bowl last year without Winfield in the secondary. So uh, go ahead and burn me at the stake, guys, that I'm picking. Uh, Fleck is, is the optimism. As much as I make fun of the guy, kind of roll my eyes, I think he's probably pretty pretty good at what he does, folks. Yeah, I think he would be my optimistic pick at the moment, too. Minnesota returns a ton this year. Um Wisconsin, Wisconsin's Wisconsin. They're, they're like a deserving division favorite. Their offense wasn't great last year. I don't know how much to take from Wisconsin last year. You know, it was bizarre for everyone. It was especially bizarre for them. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Minnesota jump up and win the division this year. Um, they they're in a spot where they they've really hit on some guys in, in talent wise. And certainly at receiver, you know, we've seen two of those guys go to the NFL already. They still got Ottman Bell. Um, I, I, I like Minnesota quite a bit in, in 2021. Pessimistic. The Brom thing is, is super interesting. I, I'm with you. I really try not to be like, well, who else are you going to get guy with any job? But I feel that way about, about Purdue. I mean, Purdue started paying its football coach $5 million two or three years ago. I mean, look at the investment that they put into that. And are you going to catch lightning in a bottle to the degree? The Boilermakers were a total non-factor, a total forgotten team in the Big Ten. And he made them instantly better. And you're just getting to a point where there needs to be some, okay, well, what else is there? Like, is this just it? Is seven and six our lot in life? And no fan wants to think that way. My pessimistic one, it feels a little bit early. I also feel like I'm one of the few people in this camp, but I would maybe go with Tucker. Like, I don't know what's going on at Michigan State. Um, when he was hired, the, the circumstances certainly weren't favorable. And, and Michigan State was probably a little bit better than, than I thought they had a right to be, given that they had no time to install anything uh, ahead of the season, really. But I'm very much in, in wait-and-see mode uh, with, with that hire and that program at the moment. I like how we have all refrained from adding Scott Frost to this conversation due to <laughs> obvious conflicts of interest. Well, th- that is just it. Conflicts of interest is the key, the key term there because you can make a case for both <laughs> optimistic or pessimistic uh, with, the, with what's gone on and who you draft and who you're running from. No. <laughs> We've all just stayed the hell away from the elephant. What's our, what's, our, what's our excuse for Ferentz and Chris then? Because those are two guys who won a lot in the last five years who are about the only two, I think, who haven't come up yet. And Bielema. Yeah, I think I think Bielema will, will be good at Illinois. Good meaning they'll go to bowl games. They'll replace somebody uh, in the Big Ten West and, and climb the ladder. Uh, if he does what he's typically done, uh, and that's get great lines of scrimmage. Uh, Kirk has got a couple, three years left. And and then if I'm an Iowa fan, I pray to God Brian doesn't get the job 
or Brian's not part of the program because I think he's a loose cannon. I think Dad does a nice job. I think Iowa does a great job of developing. But, yeah, and the other part of it, too, is with Chris, is he just – he's always been comfortable in his own skin, right? As long as Barry Alvarez is around, that's his, that's his baby. So Barry's going to be a liaison now. So does Chris just keep doing what he's been doing, or does – do things get – outside the lines, just as far as discipline. I don't see that with Chris. I just don't. Yeah, I don't either. He's an interesting one in that I think Wisconsin itself, based on what Chris had done at Pitt, mm-hmm. like getting to Wisconsin where he played quarterback, like seemed to kind of boost him a little bit, which is interesting. And now you've got the biggest change Wisconsin's had in 20 or 30 years just with – Alvarez stepping stepping down. Um, that's probably not going to change things too drastically, but it is a potential, uh, to use Cranex's word, change agent. Mm-hmm. Vogues, what's uh, coming up here with the yearbook? I know it goes to press this week. Yeah, uh, hard to work at that. A, a lot of hours of uh, polishing and editing, et cetera, et cetera. But most of it's, uh, most of it's done at this point, um, just kind of moving the furniture around, so pretty excited about that um i polished off all of the team previews so that's i feel pretty uh current on on where these teams stand it's the one time of the year where you feel like you, you've got your arms around everything and i, I take a lot of pride in, in doing those so so hopefully they're used to somebody i, I really love kind of figuring out the big 10 pecking order schedules all of that stuff i'm also kind of working on a story on FCS transfers. Um, there's some interesting kind of numbers on that over the last three, four years. And Nebraska's got two. Um, well, I had Levi, Levi Falk last year who, who made an impression at least and will continue to play, um, but has two players that I think are going to be pretty vital for, for Nebraska coming up a level, which is interesting. Vogue, thanks for the time. Good chat this morning, bud. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, Brandon. Brandon Vogel with us. A quick time out. The Iron Horse up next. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity. And Good Sense Deli Fresh Subs. We know that our success begins with our people. From the front of the house to the back of the house, our employees are focused on hospitality and dedicated to providing outstanding food, drink, and service to each of our loyal guests. To view current job openings and apply, visit prgnebraska.com slash apply. Carrier announces cool cash rebates. Call Wellman Heating and Air Conditioning to learn how a new Carrier high-efficiency system may be the right solution for your home. And ask about Carrier cool cash rebates, up to $1,650 on qualifying Carrier systems or get special financing on qualifying equipment. Carrier offers and rebates will vary. See Wellman Heating and Air for details. Turn to the experts. Wellman Heating and Air Conditioning, your factory-authorized dealer for Carrier products. Wellman Want the truth on why I wake up looking so darn awesome? I take care of my skin. Not just my face, but more intimate skin. And when you've got incontinence, you sure need to. Tenna Intimates pads lock liquid in and are now 100% breathable to care for your intimate skin, day or night. Tenna Intimates are now endorsed by the Skin Health Alliance. Visit tennasample.com for your free sample. Kind to skin, protects like Tenna. 
Recently, Total Wireless helped Garrett Dvorak throw a virtual baby shower for his wife, Ellie. Just to see everyone's expressions, I don't have words for it. Because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month per line for four lines, you could save up to $80 per month. Total Wireless, you guys pulled through. Total Wireless, do amazing. 5G capable device and SIM required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of the leading carrier for 2021. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com. In Lincoln, we spell sports E-S-P-N. 101.5 FM and 1480 AM. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. We say hi to the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, with his Sharpie. Uh, happy weekend, brother. How are you? Uh, happy weekend to both of uh, you guys and uh, New Will on your show. And, uh, also, uh, happy Memorial Day as we remember the uh, people that sacrificed for us. Uh, hopefully the weather holds up. I saw Nebraska just uh, change their senior day because of uh, impending bad weather tomorrow. They're going to have their senior day today, and I don't think it'll matter when they have their senior day. I think those seniors will be embraced by this fan base for a long time. They are uh, kind of that, that, that class that, that changed things, Sharpie, and I want to stay – with baseball to start, what's this Michigan series mean? And and talk to me a little bit here about just what Will has done in short order, not only taking things uh, to another level last weekend, getting the regular season title, but now things look to be, uh, well, uh, on the up and up with where Nebraska could be next weekend. Well, I think this is the most important series of the year. And I know they clinched last weekend, and you could say, well, they've already won the the Big Ten, they're in the NCAA tournament, but uh, you have a chance to improve what kind of a number two seed you are. Instead of going to a number a national seed like a Texas Tech, uh, you maybe go to Spokane, and Gonzaga's a number 14 national seed. And so your number one seed and the other two seeds in your regional would be a little bit more manageable. Um, but I, it may not matter with this Nebraska team. I, I think Nebraska is good. I think they're one of the top 20 teams. Are they super regional good? Are the College World Series good? We don't know yet because of just a Big Ten schedule. But I think they're really good. And it starts on the mound with Cade Povich pitching on Friday night. Uh, and what he did yesterday, throwing a Macklin inning, how dominant he was. And Nebraska was able to scratch across the run. But I think it's important that Nebraska doesn't let up this weekend because there's also that little bit of sliver. If things get real wacky in the regional, Nebraska has put in a bid for a super regional. I know it's, it's really, really remote. But you, you kind of think about that. And also, the committee still may not know a lot about Nebraska and still may say, well, what is the Big Ten? Well, then I say, well, you must think Michigan is really good because Michigan appears to be in a lot of these mock brackets as a two-seed, and they've got a terrible RPI. So I think it's a statement weekend for Nebraska. It was a really good baseball game yesterday. You, you know, you kind of you kind of saw fans on a, on a cool, damp day came out. There was a really, really good energy in the stadium. And I think it was almost a, a, a time where – the fans have embraced this team because they're a little bit ahead of schedule and it's kind of a surprise. And also, it's kind of, you know what, that's Michigan. There's a Nebraska-Michigan baseball rivalry. And screw you, Big Ten. You didn't think much of our team. You didn't give us a conference tournament. We're going to close it out here at home, and we're going to raise that trophy once again. Gary, you touched on something that I want to come back to in a second about Nebraska being ahead of schedule. But quick aside, just saw on Twitter, Eric Davis – famous Eric Davis from the Reds, turned 59. Jeez. 
best pure athlete to ever play the sport? Uh, that's pretty close. Uh, best pure athlete to play the sport that also had a waist of what he was what a size twenty six. Twenty. Yeah. That's 26. incredible. Yep. Uh, sorry, I had to divert there, but I'm just like, when I saw that pop up, I'm just like, there has never been a better athlete to play the sport of baseball. Yeah, um, and he got, in his career, got sidelined by injuries, or he would have had maybe a Hall of Fame career. And that stance, that will that yeah, will never <laughs> get through the youth baseball s- circuit anymore. Coaches would break that yeah. in a second. Uh, unbelievable. Um, <laughs> back to being ahead of schedule. The, look, the tutelage under Van Horn is obvious, but the similarities in how this program is coming together and finding success are so similar also to Van Horn. I mean, you remember, Gary, you were a yeah. big part of that, and it escalated in a hurry. <laughs> you know, it was all of a sudden like, whoa, whoa, wait, what's going on here? Like, they're already like this, the conference's top team, and I mean, they rose quickly. Are you seeing those parallels? Well, I, I don't. I, I know that a lot of people want to compare, and I, and I see. I see why. Um, there will only be one Dan, Dave Van Horn, and what he took over was not in a great spot compared to what Will took over. I mean, I think part of it we have to we have to give credit to Darren Erstad because it wasn't like Nebraska baseball fell off the map. He kind of handed over a program that was not ailing. And what Will came in, and what I saw firsthand with Dave, Mark, and Chris, is Dave believed that you could win at Nebraska. He believed that you could go to the College World Series. He believed that you could win championships. And he not only said it, he acted it. He also was able to deliver it to his, his team. And then they developed a trust in that clubhouse that, hey, if one guy is struggling today, the other guy will pick him up. I see those two major similarities with this team. Will believes that you can be successful in Nebraska, that this team was going to be good. I mean, these guys these guys in the fall knew that they were going to be good. It didn't take until, hey, we played a couple of weeks and you know had some adversity. They were like, no, in the fall, we knew this was a really good team. So they believed that they could win, and Will was able to get them to believe. And then they trust each other. Look at yesterday. Ken Povich is dealing, and as a pitcher – if you're going out on that performance and you're kind of being matched by the Michigan starter, you're wondering, boy, am I going to be a hard luck loser today? He never thought that. He said, I trusted my guys. They would find a way to get at least one run, and that's exactly what they did. So belief and trust, I think, are two things that Dave was able to establish in a program that had not had those. And Will has come in, and he has reinforced those. And those are two things that really can carry you a long way during a long season, but even more when you face adversity and must win games this time of the year. Gary Sharps with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Gary had a chance to talk with Povich. What do you think of this uh, this this staff in general for Nebraska? As you, again, deferring to you and, and your up-close uh, ability you know, with, with your career, seeing regional, super-regional teams, does Nebraska's arms, bullpen, and starting rotation, I mean, how do they, how do they kind of compare landscape-wise to the rest of, of some of the who's who in college baseball? Well, I think the one thing where Big Ten baseball pales in comparison to the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, is pitching depth. Uh, you know, almost everybody in the Big Ten has a really good number one. The top three or four teams have a really good number two. It's when you get to that Sunday starter that it can kind of be a crapshoot. I think Nebraska definitely has an ace. They now might have the pitcher of the year in the Big Ten. They've got the back end taken care of with Schwellenbach. 
Now can you piece some things together out of the bullpen? But can you get another performance out of Roach like he pitched last weekend moving forward? Because if you can, you have to pitch Povich on Friday of next week. I don't care if it's a two versus three and you're a decided favorite. You gotta win you gotta win your first game. And then do you feel comfortable that your number two guy going up against probably a number one seed and their number two guy, they can match with? If you can get through the first two games, if Nebraska can go 2-0, and I really like their chances to close out a series in a regional. If they have to go to the third and fourth starter, that's when it gets a little bit tricky. But I'll give credit to Jeff Christie and Will Holt. You realize, and you guys recognize, not realize, but recognize, that they don't stick around with a pitcher too long. They don't let a pitcher exhaust himself on the mound. They have a pretty good knack. If a guy is at the end of the rope, they're going to get him. So I like them how they manage their bullpen, how they manage their starters, and I think that'll bode well for next week. But I, I, I if Nebraska, Nebraska will need to go two and zero for me to be firmly in belief that the pitching can hold up and carry them through to win a regional. Well, it's it's the unknown, Gary, because the way that the schedule has set up this year, the way the Big Ten set it up is. We, you know, you lost the benefit of the of the midweek games to see what yeah. else you have on your staff. Like yep. Nebraska just has not had that benefit. So they've had to go with their one, two, three guys. And that's all you get to see. You don't get to see four, five, six. You don't get to see because there's no midweek. But I was encouraged by that pod last week where in game four, you, you stitched it together. Right. Perry yep. goes a couple innings. Schreiber goes four. Tyler Martin, Wynn, Fekin. You spread it around, and collectively they got a shutout. So is is I mean is that part of this where it's like, you, you just don't know. You're, you're not saying that Nebraska definitely doesn't have the depth. We're just saying we just literally do not know because you haven't got to see them. That's a fair point. And you know, and one thing when you get to that third or fourth game, it's all right. Let's score as many runs as possible. We, we, we may not be great on the mound, but let's just keep scoring runs. And you saw that last week in the game you alluded to, Mark, is Nebraska jumped on Ohio State early. I mean, they were up 5 nothing in the first inning. They ended up scoring nine runs. They put the pressure on early. That's another thing when you get to your third or fourth starter and you're coming back from the loser's bracket, you just want to keep scoring runs. Just score as many runs as possible. Keep scoring and hope that, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a 15-14 game, you have 15. Um, but I think, you know, this is, this is kind of a weekend where Michigan is a good team, and it's going to challenge you. And if you're looking at it from the pitching side, I think it's a good opportunity for Will to kind of experiment and get a feel for guys in high-leverage situations who he can count on. Um, I just hope you know the weather doesn't impact the game tomorrow so they can get all three in. But I, I, I'm rolling with Cade Povich on, on the first game of the regional. I think that's a good spot for Nebraska to start off because he is really pitching well. And you know what? He's probably pitched himself into a nice little draft spot coming uh, come to line. Sharpie, real quick before we say goodbye, and thanks for squeezing us in this morning, uh, reaction to, to Oklahoma's um, Twitter tantrum. Well, here's two things, and I've, I, I know this firsthand from people I talked to at OU yesterday. Um, the, it's a 1A and a 1B why they're so upset. 1A is they do have some ceremonies that are planned around the 50th anniversary of the game of the century. But the biggest thing, guys, is the heat. Oklahoma, in the month of September, they hardly ever play home games during the day. They usually play at night because it is so hot. And they're not, they're not looking at it as, oh, well, our guys can't. No, they practice in it. They're looking at it for the safety of the players, but more importantly, the safety of their fans. 
They have 89,000 people that come in their stadium, and they don't like playing September uh, games in the day because it is so hot. So that's why they're upset. And they made a request, and they continue to make a request to Fox that if you're going to pick up Oklahoma games during September, we want them at night. But it was kind of a weird – I mean, I, I knew right away that there was more to this story because that's a weird fight to take on as Joe Castiglione. Now, he can flex. He's one of the best athletic directors in the country. But you're going after your TV partner. So I said, there's got to be more to this. And those are two things. But he is a really big thing that uh, Oklahoma was upset at because they just don't play during the daytime um, in, in September. And they got, they got it last year when they played against Kansas State, and they weren't happy as well. Sharpie, have a great weekend, brother. Thanks for checking in with us today. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. It's uh, time to say goodbye. Uh, Weekend edition of Hale Varsity Radio. We covered youth baseball dads. Uh, Me and Cranach dove into uh, the the buy and sell portion of the Big Ten coaching ranks and uh, some Husker baseball thoughts. Cranach, have a good weekend, man. You as well, sir. Willie J, appreciate you much. We'll talk to you Tuesday on Hale Varsity.